1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's A to Z of the human body. We are on the letter A, and today's term has three words. Is that the longest one we've had so far? I don't know. So remember, <laughs> Matt's given up. Remember, we go to the back of your favourite anatomy and physiology textbook. You might ask, which one? And my answer is all of them. And so what we have now found is the letter, we haven't found it, we are going in appropriate alphabetical order, afferent, Nervous system, so afferent. Afferent has Latin origins, uh, meaning afferent. Fairies. Ex- sorry,
2: like the ferry that is a transport vessel on water.
1: So everyone, ignore Matt. He uh, is a distractor. He's like one of those multiple choice questions that your three, lecturer out has of, created. three out of
2: four is incorrect.
1: Yes, so that's Matt. Three, three out of four times, three out of four things he says incorrect. <laughs> uh, So afferent, Latin origins in the term afferentum or afferae, uh, and it means to bring to or to carry to. So in biology, afferent means to carry something or carry information towards a central point. People on a boat, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Right. So when we talk about the nervous system, I think everyone's aware that we're talking about a collection of neurons and glia that act as a communication network for sending electrical chemical signals around the body. And generally, the control center for these signals are the brain and the spinal cord. Central nervous system. Yeah. That's right. We call that the central nervous system. And all the highways that transmit the signals to highways, and from...
2: Highways or ferry
1: terminals. Highways. Okay. So the highways that transmit the signals, we term nerves and we call the peripheral nervous system. So brain and spinal cord, central nervous system, all the nerves that go to and away, the peripheral nervous system. Outside and again, the central nervous system, yeah. Thank you. These signals can travel toward the brain and spinal cord to tell it what's happening. For the about- body. Okay, you can just interrupt at <laughs> any point if you like. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the- so the signals that travel to the brain and spinal cord can tell it what's happening about what's happening in the body and outside the body, right? The internal and external environment, and the signals can travel away from the brain and spinal cord to tell the muscles and glands to respond or engage with the internal e- external environment. Now I'm going to bring you in, Matt. Oh. All right? So the signal traveling to the brain and the spinal cord that's carrying the information about what's happening about the external and internal environment, that's called the? Sensory nervous system. Which is also termed the? Afferent nervous system.
2: Bada bing, bada boom. So... These are interchangeable terms. Sensory and afferent are interchangeable in the context of the nervous system.
1: Perfect. And so by sensory, we're talking about things... uh, Okay, so, so by sensory, we're talking about the body's ability to detect changes in the internal and external environment. And it's important that it's detecting changes. So changes in pressure, changes in chemicals, changes in light waves, changes in... Temperature. Temperature, right? So these are some of the most common changes that can be detected. And it detects these various stimuli turn them into electrical chemical signals known as uh, an action potential and it sends it to the brain or or spinal cord or both in order to uh, make sense of it and respond to it in whatever particular way and that signal going towards the brain and spinal cord is the afferent signal. Got it. Right. Now, the parts of the afferent nervous system, aka sensory nervous system, include receptors, sensory neurons, the spinal cord, and certain processing areas of the brain. Which means if we start talking about diseases now, if you have a problem with any one of those particular points, you can affect the afferent nervous system. Okay. Can you think of any?
2: Yeah, I remember watching a documentary once and actually my PhD
1: Was it the basketball one about Michael Jordan? Because I know you like to take these tangents. (laughs)
2: No. Oh, okay. No, no. (laughs) But I'm sure his afferent nervous system was quite superior to other players in the NBL. NBA. NBA, damn it. (laughs) Now, um, so my my PhD supervisor shared this uh, documentary with me and it was about a gentleman who lost his proprioception.
1: Okay. So that's the ability to uh, detect where your body is in its own space. Right. Right.
2: And so, as you would probably think, that had significant and profound impact on his life.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass.
1: So was this, I think I might have, was this an, it was like a US like the, ABC documentary and it had this yeah. guy and the, man, when he, the, the The man or boy who lost his body or something something like that it was called. And when he closed his eyes, he would fall over?
2: Yeah, he just couldn't, he didn't have the ability to coordinate movement. People thought he was drunk all the time, right? I, don't I remember know, him making that get statement. Get out of bed. Really? So because he had no ability, because proprioception, like you said, is um, your body, your way of detecting where your body is in space- yeah, so it doesn't a, make sense not as to an people.
1: astronaut. <laughs> no. So, if right now you were to close your eyes and someone asked you to touch your nose, the fact that you can do it is because you know where your hand is positioned in space even though you can't see it because you're getting constant signals sent from the muscles, the joints, the tendons, the ligaments that tell you how bent, stretched, um, uh, contracted these various areas are. And that sends a signal to the brain and the cerebellum, which provides a map of where you are in your own space. And so that's the reason why you can do it. So think about not knowing those pieces of information, you would just fall over.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's also important in dictating how much force you need in muscle contraction and,
1: oh, yeah, and true.
2: all those things as well. So it's not just about balance. The, the conscious awareness of where your body is. but yeah, it's, it's not also balance, it's tone as well. Tone and how much force you need to do something and the coordination that has to happen all the time with any kind of motor output. Yeah. So, I so think, why
1: did you bring this up? So I
2: think the way he got around, <laughs> well, this is obviously a disease. I'm not sure what the cause of it was, um, whether it was a virus like Gillian Barr or something, I don't think it was, but uh, something that just affected his proprioception. But then the way he learnt a workaround yeah. is then he used his visual system I was just to say. then relearn movement.
1: Yes. So what we, So one of the experiments I do in class with the students is give them the drunk goggles. And so the drunk goggles are goggles that you put on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so I just, we, we just get pissed in class, <laughs> which is Australian for getting drunk, not getting angry. And so no, we give the students these goggles that they put on, which alters the way they view, they see the world. And, it, you know, like you're drunk, for example. And I put a line on the floor in the lab and I say, walk the line, you know, like they would do in the US if somebody's possibly drunk driving. Now, the thing is that your body knows that the line is straight, you know this, you can put your one foot in front of the other, but your visual system tends to override proprioception. So this is one of the reasons why um, you get seasick, right? And they are, and they tell you to look at the horizon is because it's looking at more the hor- profound as an impact. <laughs> no, because it like Oh, I thought you meant looking at the horizon is just a profound emotional <laughs> experience and you just go, "Oh, this is gorgeous," and you forget about and it. And you throw up. But no, it because viewing something that's static can override the unbalance of the proprioceptive the proprioceptive whatever dis- It's kind of like two, balance or whatever two it might be.
2: stimuli is telling your brainstem one thing. That's right, they're conflicting. And the vision is different.
1: Yes, and, and that's so what makes
2: get, you sick. They go, oh, I can't deal with this. I'll just make you nauseous and then throw up.
1: Because it thinks that you're, you've got some toxin or drug in the body because it goes two different stimuli that usually match don't. right? So anyway, um, yes, the visual system overrides the the other aspects of the sensory system, which is why the mirror box experiment worked for people who had limb amputation. Oh, sorry. (laughs) So people, again, I don't want to go over the time limit here, but people who had a limb amputated uh, for whatever particular reason, sometimes they can experience phantom limb pain where it feels like the limb is twisted. It's um, constantly itchy. uh, It's been tickled. It's just uncomfortable and awkward. They know that that limb doesn't exist, but the sensory experience is overwhelming until they do an experiment where they put a box in front of them with a mirror down the middle and they put the arm that exists in front of the box and it looks like they've got two arms and it looks like the other arm that's now gone is present. And it tends to override the visual. Seeing that arm that they know intellectually doesn't exist can override the pain and the other symptoms. And so- It's so what you're saying. Yes. Is if we create
2: a horizon mirror box, we, we could- Cure
1: seasickness. We should paint that. We should. We should. Um, uh, uh, TM, trademarked. Can't copy it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm not releasing this episode. We're sending <laughs> this now to the patent office. Um, so we anyway- could, We could make millions-
2: or even thousands, so I think it would have a big, you know, big industry there, right?
1: Yeah, well, there's bringing, a lot of a box with a mirror on a on a boat. Anyway, um, you're right. So that could be a sensory processing disorder. So as I said, with the afferent nervous system, receptor, sensory neuron, spinal cord, and processing areas. So that's potentially a sensory processing disorder. Maybe they had some lesion in the cerebellum or another aspect of the brain that didn't allow for them to process the proprioceptive information. Also, just product. chronic
2: pain, right? You could argue that that's a...
1: Yeah, processing issue. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Which is sensory. But you could have uh, peripheral neuropathies. You could just have trauma to any aspect of the... Uh, afferent nervous system. Uh, You can have autoimmune diseases, which potentially might damage the uh, myelin sheath like MS. That can be a sensory uh, disorder or an afferent signaling disorder, or you could have neurodegenerative diseases. So you can have sensory issues or afferent signal issues for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease as well. So they're just some uh, diseases or disorders that affect the afferent nervous system.